Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hello, how's it going? Oh, you know, hashtag quarantine life still. <laughs> it's such a loaded question these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, really, how are you? <laughs> yeah. We won't um, get into that today. Yeah, and I am nursing a baby right now. If you hear any little squeaks. I so. love those newborn noises so much. <laughs> um, I, thought, I thought she was down. I nursed her like a half hour ago, but. She's um, a hungry girl. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so super excited to talk to Jay's guest. Me too. It's, this is such a full circle moment for me because I listened to Jess's, Jess and Laura's podcast, Modern Mamas, since, uh, episode one, I think. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) I know. I know. And I met Laura. She like, I live in this tiny town in Eastern PA and she just randomly stayed here. It was so cool. I, I like, I told her, and I'll tell you this now, I'm just going to gush for a second, but I owe so much of my parenthood journey to you guys. Like I was alone and, um, I had really bad postpartum anxiety and just like, Oh, your podcast just changed everything for me. So I so appreciate you being on ours now. Oh my gosh. I just, I, that will never, ever, ever, ever get old hearing. And it's so funny because we started it just I don't know, just intending for like maybe our moms to listen, like a few people in our family, like our close circle and the community that we've built um, together just by showing up. Um, I think it will be one of the best things that like I've ever done, I think. So I am just grateful that you still tune in and think we have something valuable to say every week. Every week. Sometimes we're just like, what are we talking about? What's even happening anymore? (laughs) No, those are the best though. Yeah. (laughs) No. And I don't know if you knew this, Jess. I mean, we've talked about your podcast on our, on our podcast before, like about the retreats I went to and that, but I don't know if you knew this, but Laura introduced me and Marissa. I did not know that. Yeah. So awesome. Look at how much you guys have changed. (laughs) That is so crazy. And so you guys are both NTPs, right? Yeah. Yeah. But y'all weren't in the same class. No, we didn't know each other at all. We just, Laura connected us. Yeah. Our first phone conversation, Michelle's like, oh, I'm pregnant. You want to do a podcast together? Here we are. That's amazing. <laughs> the best podcasts start with like random emails or phone calls. Like that was how Laura and I, I won one of her giveaways on Instagram. I was just like, Hey, you sound cool. Do you want to start a podcast with me? And so like, before you guys know, it'll be three years later and y'all will still be doing this. So uh, I'm excited <laughs> to see the y'all's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess I should tell people who we are talking to. So I'm going to get into <laughs> your bio. Today, we're talking with Jess Gartner. Jess is a blogger, recipe creator, 
creator Enneagram 9 Wing 8, which is the social subtype. I can't wait to get into this. <laughs> and podcast host with a passion for real food, real connection, and sharing herself, flaws and all. A recovering perfectionist just now focuses on supporting women in finding their truth through the Enneagram, nourishing their minds and bodies intuitively, and creating joy in their lives as they navigate the motherhood transition. She pours her heart and soul into the weekly podcast she co-hosts, The Modern Mamas Podcast. Listen to it, everybody. Which is a safe space to share her authentic experience of motherhood and where expert guests educate and empower women to take charge of their health. You can find her recipes, lifestyle posts, podcast episodes, and Enneagram coaching services at www.jessgartner.com. We will link to that. And connect on Instagram at jess.holdthespace. When Jess isn't working, she loves to spend time with her husband, Tim, her two kiddos, Bear and Camille, and two large Great Pyrenees, I don't know if I'm saying that right, rescues. Yes, you got it. Nailed it. <laughs> they are her greatest accomplishment. Welcome, Jess. Hi. Thank Hi. you guys so much for having me. It's so much fun to be the on someone else's podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have done many like guest recordings of your own on other people's podcasts, but it's really nice to show up and just like have a conversation and not that like Laura and I worry about, like, I'm sure you guys know, like prepare a little bit when you're hosting a guest, but like, it's just so nice to come on and talk about the things that you're passionate about. So thank I you for having it. me. Okay. And I think you like talking about the Enneagram I've gathered. Uh, you <laughs> know, <I'm not> sure. <laughs> it's fine. I guess. No, I love it. I, I have to like, I told myself before this, the episode recording. So we have another thing that we have to do in, in like an hour and I told him, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to cram this into an hour. Like once I start talking about the Enneagram, like <laughs> there's no shutting it off. So I'm going to do my very best to be yeah. succinct. And we've talked about it a little bit. I think when we, this is, I thought I was a four when we first talked about this in like mm -hmm. our intro episode. So I'm a five wing four. I've discovered, I've been working with Jess and Marissa. Six wing five. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. fun. <laughs> Very fun, interesting little partnership you guys got going on right now. And that's amazing. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. I think that's why it works so well. Personally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Laura's a seven and I'm a nine and, you know, we have a lot of similarities, but we also have, are very different. And I think that's what makes the world go round when, especially when you can learn more about each other using tools like the Enneagram, the empathy and the understanding that you can extend to other people is just like infinite. So it's a great tool for that, for personal relationships. Yeah, my working relationships. Yeah, my husband is a one, and we had like an incident last night, <laughs> and it uh -oh. left me very frustrated. But just learning about him, and I mean, he is such a one. I mean, spot on. I knew he was already beating himself up more than like there was no reason for me to say anything. You know what I mean? Whereas normally I would have just been like, "Oh, why did we do this? This is so ridiculous." Blah blah blah. So, yeah, it's it's so eye opening, and it is oh, so that's cool. amazing. And I don't think. Like give yourself crazy credit for that because a lot of people are moving through the world without self-awareness and without that awareness of other people. And automatically, like in an instance where maybe your partner does something that you just do not understand um, and you don't get, and there's, you know, in the past you might've engaged in an argument or uh, it would have led to some like big feelings or frustration. When you are self-aware of yourself and, and your, the people in your life, 
there's just so, it's just, life is so different. It's so different. So much less stressful. Obviously there's going to be stress involved in everyday life, but the way that you manage it. And like I said, that empathy that you bring to the table is just like life-changing. So life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it has been. So why don't you just jump right in wherever you want? Just give a run rundown of what the Enneagram is. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, like I said, I could literally probably just talk, 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 talk for like the next hour. And I probably will, but please interject questions. If you have like practical life application questions that you want to say, or if you yourself have experienced something um, that I'm talking about and you want to like jump in, I think when we are able to apply it to like real life scenarios, um, that's when it becomes like the light bulb moments happen. Um, And just like Michelle said, like I've always been a nerd about personality tests like Myers-Briggs, the strength finders, the four tendencies, all of that stuff. And while I'm the first person to take those tests online, I've never found anything that I could actually take that information and use it, use it for like have to have a purpose in my life. So like Myers-Briggs, I learned like I'm an ENTP, I think. I don't even remember now. I'm so deep into the Enneagram, put everything else to the wayside, but um, it was like, cool. Okay. What do I do with that information? Like, great thumbs up. Um, but there was never like any next step for me and for the Enneagram. And I love this quote. It just kind of will open this up to like the conversation, but, um, this is from the road back to you, which is a book that I highly recommend, um, for like people who are just kind of familiarizing themselves with the Enneagram. It's a really easy read, but Ian Cron says the purpose of the Enneagram is to show us how we can release the paralyzing arthritic grip we've kept on old self-defeating ways of living so we can open ourselves to experiencing more interior freedom to become our best selves. So another way of saying that is Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box you put yourself into and how to get out of it if you want to, right? Mm-hmm. So like a lot of my friends the Enneagram, yeah, when the Enneagram came out originally, it was like, I'm not going to take that. I don't want to be put into a box. Like I'm not just a six or I'm not just a seven. And I totally understand that. Like I, I kind of have those initial reactions, but really when you open yourself up to it, it's way more than that. It is not putting you in a box. The Enneagram is so nuanced and there's so many like levels of discovery with the Enneagram, whether we're talking about, and none of this will make sense to you guys or to you guys. Yes. But maybe to the listeners, but when we're talking about subtypes and wings and arrows and levels of health and all of these things. And I'm trying to think of all the other things, um, like gut, the the triads, all of these things make it to where, like, if I'm a six and you're a six, we look completely different to like the outside observer. Our inner motivations are the same. Um, but there's going to be, there's like 50 shades of gray within your number. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Okay. Totally. So the Enneagram, I like to think of it as like your personal GPS, where it's showing you where you are. And all of us kind of, I'm assuming most of us want to get to a level of health that we feel good. We feel authentically who we are. We're living, quote unquote, our best life. And so if it shows us where we are and it shows us where we could be, the Enneagram is also the path that's going to lead you to that place that you want to be. It's also going to show you where you are, where you could be when you're not living your best life. And I think the the motivation behind that is the self-awareness. So like, for instance, I'm a nine. And when I first, I, I mistyped as a three forever and ever and ever. 
um, because of my outward behavior looks like a three. The Enneagram is all based on your inner motivations, the why. And a lot of those things I felt really, whenever I would hear about my quote unquote worst ways, my worst qualities, I'm doing air quotes, I would be like, ooh, I'm not like that. I don't. I don't act that way. I'm not like sloth-like. I don't avoid conflict. But really, when I was able to like receive that with an open mind, I was like, you know, I, I really do do those things. And now, now that I see that and I recognize it, I'm more aware of it when it happens. And therefore, I can use the tools that I now have through therapy and a variety of other different things to get back on the right path. Does that kind of go flow with the GPS like analogy there? Does that all make sense? Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. It's it's just so interesting, okay. how, like you said, how many shades of gray there are within each individual number too. And it really, yeah, you, you, I don't feel pigeonholed personally. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I love about it is it just is a great way to kind of start conversations. Like, so this has been um, kind of like our bedtime reading. Like we've been doing the road back to you and just like me and my husband were talking and just like randomly this morning, he's like, you know, I relate to this, but not really this. And like, and it's just like getting to know you, but it gives you this context of like, this, it might be something you feel. And it's like, oh, I feel this, this, and this, but not this. And it, I don't know. It's just like starts these deeper conversations about who am I, who do I, what do I relate to? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And that's my, really the Enneagram for me became impactful with my partner first with Tim. Tim's a five. Um, and we share a lot of similarities, but we also couldn't be more different in a lot of ways. And I think the first like seven years of my marriage pre-Enneagram, it was a constant struggle. Like, what are you thinking? Like, why can't you get on the same page as me? Why are we not like, what is wrong with our marriage? You know? Um, but once the Enneagram came into the picture, it was more like, oh, you just don't see the, the world the way that I do. Being able to relate to your partner in a different way and realize that the, the world and their environment and other people in a very distinct way that is not necessarily the way um, they're wearing like Tim is my husband. He's wearing his five lenses to view everything that happens to him. Um, and I'm wearing my nine lenses and they're not the same. Right. So that's where it's been really impactful for me in like a personal relationship way. So I don't know, I'm sure maybe Michelle, like, I'm sure you guys are working through it too, but it's also a process. It's like, it takes time. It takes a lot of work to extend that grace to someone else too, Um, and also if you've been with someone for a long time, you think you know them very well and you do, but you don't know the inside as well as you might do. And I think that's where the Enneagram can be really enlightening. Yeah. Kind of like the motivations behind the actions or like the why, why do you see things this way? Yeah. Yeah. Just for context, me and my husband are actually doing coaching with Jess, which has been super interesting. Like, (laughs) It's um, fun. You guys are my first couple to work with. And so y'all are guinea pigs as well. Thank you for being so patient as we try to figure out the best way to like, because it's like, you're not just learning about yourself. You're learning about somebody else in the process too. So that's a lot, it's a yeah. lot to take in, but I'm hopeful that it's helpful. No, it's super awesome. And the, the homework's like digging deep. <laughs> so we don't, we don't, we come straight to the chase around yeah. here. So. <laughs> Um, okay. So do you guys want to jump into like the nitty gritty? Yeah. Okay, cool. 
so we when we talk about the enneagram understanding of like the actual term enneagram ennea means nine and gram means diagram that's where it comes from sometimes people are like what what does it all mean literally means like nine nine the numbers so there's numbers one through nine and the values are they're they're neutral no number is better than the other number so like when i first got that i was when i finally figured out i was nine i was like huh like, I really want to be a seven or I really want to be something fun. You know, I didn't think that a nine was fun. Now that I know myself, I'm like, yes, I'm a nine. Um, but like none of the, the numbers are better than the other. We need all of the numbers to make the world go round. They all have a special place. They all have a superpower that they bring to the table. And without them, we would be missing a huge portion of like humanity. And when you really look at a whole integrated person, um, a person who recognizes and sees other people for what they're worth and sees their strengths. Um, it's literally all of the numbers together. So we all have a little bit of those numbers in us, but our home base is our primary number and that's the way we move through the world. So there are just nine valid perspectives for everyday life circumstances. Um, there's also wings. And so a lot of times there's this meme going around about like Enneagram newbies kind of like, not really understanding them, but the wings are literally the numbers on the side of your primary number, which kind of like, you know, if you have arrows pointing out to the side, it looks like wings. So that's a way to remember it. So you can only be, your wing can only be that one of the two numbers that are, that are next to your number on the circle. So like I, when I first started, I was like, I'm a three wing seven and like really can't be a three wing seven, <laughs> but you could be a three wing two or you could be a three wing four. I'm a nine, I could be a nine wing one or a nine wing eight and so on and so forth. So the wings exist, um, wing dominance can exist on a spectrum. A lot of times people are like, well, I see like a lot of the one in me. Like if I'm a nine, I see a lot of the one in me, but I also really, really resonate with the eight part of things. And like I said, so they can exist on a spectrum. You can have a really strong wing um, or you can have a really balanced wings on each side, but tend to really gravitate more toward more towards one than the other at least a little bit more um and then like for me I was an, a heavy nine wing one in my youth and now I almost use no one and a, like heavy heavy on the wing eight so those those just allow you to tap into more characteristics more qualities, more strengths and weaknesses um, of different numbers on the Enneagram. Um, the arrows and lines are all another way in which we are going to see like nuances in your number. And so arrows and lines show you, so there's two arrows coming from each number and that shows you where you go in times of stress and in times of health. So, and again, these are constantly fluctuating. And right now you may be experiencing a lot of time in stress, just given the current climate with coronavirus. I don't know when you guys are airing this, but we're recording it in like quarantine days. <laughs> and so a lot of our numbers may be going particularly towards their number that they go to in times of stress. Um, and again, like it can fluctuate hour by hour, minute by minute, like depending on the person that you're talking to, you could be super healthy. Um, and then you, like your mother-in-law calls or whoever it is in your life that kind of triggers you and you can go instantly to that area of stress. These can be a mistype. So if you're answering, for instance, an Enneagram test 
And you're answering based on your behavior, your outward behavior versus your inner motivations, then your the numbers that you move to in, in times of stress or health may be showing up in your answers, like high up in your answers. That's a question I had for you, actually, because when I first took the Enneagram, I was really, I was really sick and really scared, and there was just a lot going on. And I I really resonated with the six. That was like where I scored the highest and everything. But then again, just out of curiosity, like, I don't know, a few months ago, I took the test and I scored very highly as a nine in a much healthier place. And I was like, well, what did I do wrong? So that's very interesting. Yeah. You didn't do anything wrong. A lot of times we have to really sit and understand the questions um, and answer them as we have been most of our life mm. for it to be the most accurate. Like I said, I, I was taking a test and answering and coming back as a three constantly, constantly, constantly. I just, I was a nine in a really healthy place. And so a lot of my answers were showing that I was a three, um, but I wasn't really looking at the inner, like why. Um, and so that's why sometimes it can be a little confusing, but when someone works with me, for example, I have them take the test and they'll send me their results. And oftentimes if they're unsure of where they're at, we just look at those top three to four numbers that are showing. And usually it's very easy to like distinguish that, Oh, like these are showing up because their number is somewhere in that top three. And how are those numbers related? Um, and that that's what the coaching is. It helps us decipher, like, where's your primary base and how are these numbers related? And like, we just work through a lot of those questions to get down to the like actual primary motivation. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, the other thing to consider is levels of health. And so every, every one of us can, can probably determine a time in which we were in an unhealthy place in our life when we were in an average or just, I call it average autopilot. The majority of people are on autopilot. Let's just, I'm going to throw that out there. Um, cause it takes work to be in a healthy space. I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but it takes therapy and it takes a lot of like inner, inner work to get there. Um, but you could be unhealthy average or in a healthy spot. And that's really also going to determine the way you answer questions, going to determine your outward behavior. Um, and again, like provide some nuance to your number. So a nine in a healthy place is going to look really different than a nine in an unhealthy place or a nine in an autopilot state. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So the numbers, now we're going to get to the fun part. So like I said, nine basic numbers, and I'm just going to go around and give you their, I like to call these archetypes. So it's just one phrase or one type of character, I'm doing air quotes, that we can assign to each number so that people almost instantly get at least a little bit of understanding about this type of, this number. So one is the moral perfectionist. Two is the supportive advisor. Three is the successful achiever. Four is the romantic individualist. Five is the innovative thinker. Six is the loyal guardian. Ten is the entertaining optimist. Eight is the protective challenger. And nine is the peaceful mediator. So those are the Enneagram numbers in a nutshell. And depending on like who you're reading, there's many experts out there. There's like a slight variation in some of the descriptions, but I like these. I feel like these, these descriptions, some of them I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound very nice, but these all sound like, Ooh, I can see that. That sounds lovely. Like who doesn't want to be the supportive advisor or whatever? Um, all kind of highlighting their, their good qualities. And so we're going to dive in. I'm going to do a brief, I'm going to try and keep it brief. 
as brief as possible, description of each number. And I think a lot of times when we first get into the Enneagram, we want to like consume all there is to know about like our number, right? Like we want to know ourselves, which is amazing. And that's one side of the Enneagram is knowing yourself, but really in order to apply it, like in the real world, you're going to need to understand people to a certain degree. Now there's going to be certain relationships in your life that are more prominent that you're going to really want to deep dive into those numbers as well. So like a partner or a, a close friend or a business relationship, you're probably going to want to take a lot of extra time to understand them. But I do think we need to understand everybody to some degree. And the cool part about that is the Enneagram almost becomes this like language that if everyone in the room understands it, at least to some degree, you walk in and you can introduce yourself like, hi, I'm Jess, I'm an Enneagram nine. And people can almost instantaneously get kind of cut through all that like chit chat that you have to do to kind of understand and know somebody. And you can be like, oh, okay. Like you almost start with this leg up and understanding somebody when you can speak the Enneagram language. So that makes, that makes dinner parties fun. I'm sure. I know Michelle, the last time we were at, well, you've been to both retreats now, but it's almost like you spend half of the retreat just being like, okay, so you're an Enneagram six. Okay, cool. And like asking questions about that and like talking about yourself. And it just becomes a really fun, um, topic of conversation. I think at least I'm probably very nerdy about this, but <laughs> is it fun for other people to talk about the Enneagram or is it just me? I was going to say, I, I wonder if it's just all the conversations you're in. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Very, okay. Oh, no, I'm super into it too. Okay, cool. It, it, yeah, you're right. It just gives that context of like, you know, you could make a few assumptions about me based on this. <laughs> this past Christmas, I had my whole family taking the test, like my grandmother, all my cousins, and everyone was so into it. It was a lot That's of fun. fun. That is awesome. And I love that. I think when people can become open to it, especially like the older generation where self-awareness is, you know, and therapy and like feeling sometimes is like not, it's really hard, I think yeah. for them. Um, but I think the more they can be open to it, just the more growth and connection they can experience with the people in the world around them. So it's really cool. Okay. One, the moral perfectionist. Okay. So ones are going to be principled, purposeful, self-controlled and perfectionistic. Oh, and I do want to say, if you're still trying to figure out your number, um, or maybe, you know, your number, know that when we're talking about each number and we talk about their healthy and unhealthy qualities, None of none of what I'm saying is a judgment. I think sometimes people can be like, oh, she said I'm a perfectionist or she said I'm manipulative. Like that's rude. Well, it's it's really an observation and meant to be a neutral observation. So every all of us have good and negative qualities. And the more that we can receive the possibility that we do engage in those qualities. Um, without judging ourselves and without like pushing back against it, the faster we can get to the other side, which is where the growth is. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So I encourage everyone to keep an open mind, keep your listening ears on. As I would tell my three and six year old, like receive, be open to receiving these in a non-judgmental way. And then also know that if you don't know your number, you want to kind of look for some things as you're listening to the descriptions of each type. If you hear some of the like negative qualities of a certain type and you start to get this like 
like pit in your stomach or you feel like you're sweating a little bit or you're like, oh, you get, you feel uncomfortable. You have that gut reaction. That may be a sign that that's your actual number because it's where, when we hear about ourselves in both the good and the bad, it almost feels like we're exposed to the world and people can like see us in the inside and see some of the things that we've thought our whole life, but maybe never said out loud. So that is another thing that you just want to keep your, your ears peeled for. So moral type one, moral perfectionist. Um, the one's core fear is of being wrong, bad, evil, inappropriate, or corruptible. Their core desire is to have integrity, to be right, virtuous, and the, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but the good boy or girl. And I think we, what you have to understand is that all of us want that to some degree. It's like, of course you want to be a good person. Um, but for the one, it's like literally what drives them. And for them, it can deteriorate into that critical perfectionism of both themselves and of others because they have such high standards, right? And they also have more than any other number, this inner voice, which we all have, I think, to some degree. But for them, it's so deafening and it's so loud and it's so constant. It's like, you didn't do that right. That was not right. Um, and then maybe they pointed out that voice is like pointing out what other people are doing wrong. And it's like, will not be quiet. Um, so that's another thing, like if you're trying to figure out if you're a one, that inner voice is a big thing. Um, they want to be seen as accurate, thorough, diligent, responsible, moral, correct, and just. And their weakness is resentment. And really, when I talk about the, the weaknesses of each number, it's not, it's not really as you would think. So let me explain. So for resentment, this is actually anger that's been repressed and we kind of skipped over the triads, but ones are part of the gut triad and they all deal with anger. And it comes out different in different ways for each number that is, exists in that triad. But for ones, they repress it. It seeps outward, like through the sides as criticism. Um, and that's when they start to experience that resentment of themselves for not being able to meet their own standards. And then of other people for not being able to meet these standards that maybe they haven't even told people that they should be meeting <laughs> but it's like their inner standards. Um, and so, and their core longing is to hear that they're good. Okay. Um, ones are going to be super ethical, reliable, honest, self-disciplined and orderly at their best at their worst. They're going to be judgmental, a little inflexible, kind of dogmatic. They can be critical of others and kind of controlling, um, of the situation because again, they have a, a way that things should be done in their mind. And when it's not done that way, um, that's when they're, unhealthy qualities can come out when they are healthy they're actually also going to be moving towards a, a type seven so they're going to take on the best qualities of a type seven they're going to become more fun more enthusiastic more optimistic uh, more spontaneous a one on vacation is a beautiful sight to see because chances are they've planned the whole thing and they know their like agenda and their outline and now they're like ready to let loose and be there and be present. Um, ones under stress are going to take on the negative qualities of a type four. And really what that looks like is they're going to start to really sit in that resentment, feel like very indignant that people are not achieving their expectations. Um, and they may also turn that anger inward and start to become a little bit depressed. Fours are very comfortable with what we call melancholy um, which is kind of like, they're fine with being sad, which is also a great thing. Like negative feelings are not bad, but for a four and a one in a negative place, they can just kind of tend to stay there a little bit too long. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. 
So that is the one in a nutshell. Do you have any questions about the one? I don't, but it's just, you're, my husband is such a one. It's just so interesting. I'm like nodding my head so hard. It's going to break. <laughs> my dad is like a super hard one and we had like a lot of tension growing up and it's just, it's interesting thinking about it from that perspective. Like yeah. very um, eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much more I could say. Like I had touched a little bit on triads, which we haven't, that's another like nuance to the Enneagram. Um, If you're having trouble distinguishing what type you are, sometimes we look at the triads because it will tell you how you move through the world. Like for instance, I mentioned that the ones are part of the gut triad and eights, nines, and ones are in that triad and they all deal with anger, but it all looks different. Um, So if you were like waffling between a one and a five for example, um, five, sixes, and sevens are part of the head triad, and they move through the world through like analysis, right? Like they're analyzing. So it's different. Does that make sense? So like where a one and a five might look similar in a lot of ways, um, they're how they make decisions and move through the world is different. So if you have time, like, like I said, you can explore so many nuances to the Enneagram, but that is the one in a nutshell. So the two is the supportive advisor. Twos are lovely. I mean, all the numbers are lovely. I have to preface that. But twos are the probably the most like physically and outwardly demonstrative of all the numbers in like that way where like two walks into the room and they're like, how are you? And they talk like, I mean, they don't all talk like this, obviously, but they're like, how are you? Tell me about what's going on. They might give you a hug. They might like bridge the gap physically and like be close to you. Um, because twos love connection. They're generous, they're demonstrative, they're, they can be people-pleasing, and they can be possessive also with their relationships. But the, the two's core fear relates to that connection. So their core fear is being worthless, needy, inconsequential, dispensable, or unworthy of being loved. Their core desire is to be loved and wanted. And we all want that to some degree, but for the two, because it's their like primary motivator, it can deteriorate into this need to be needed. Okay. And that's, I think a lot of females, um, a lot of mamas, a lot of partners can mistype as a two because of the role of of being a caregiver. Oftentimes it's like put on us. I mean, I say not put on us in a negative way, but like we just, we walk into that role. um, And so our outward behavior can look much like a two, um, but it all comes back to that inner motivation. So twos want to be seen as helpful, caring, warm, nurturing, um, and considerate. And their core weakness is pride. And it's not pride in the sense like, look at me, I'm the best. It's really their inability to acknowledge their own suffering and needs. It's like the pride goes, or the pride is when they're like, oh, I don't have any needs. Like, I'm not unhappy. Or like, I don't need someone to do that for me. Um, and that's, that's where they can struggle because they're going to start focusing on everyone around them versus what they need. And eventually that's going to lead to some dysfunctional relationships with themselves and with other people. Right. So their core longing is to be told that they are wanted and loved just for who they are, not for what they do for other people. Okay. So like it's in in their mind, they're not valuable unless they're doing for others. Um, at their very best, they're going to be loving, compassionate, nurturing people, very generous, um, and they're very empathetic. Like they're very tuned into how other people feel. However, at their worst, we all have our good and bad side. They're going to be more um, martyr-like. Like I did that for him and he didn't do anything for me in return. And they may not say it outwardly, 
um, but they'll start to maybe feel that if they're in an unhealthy place on the inside and that can start leading to some resentment. They can start maybe to manipulate the relationship a little bit by doing things for other people um, and be like overly accommodating. So that's them and they're not so healthy place. When they are healthy, they're going to take on the positive qualities of a type four. So they're going to become more self-nurturing, more emotionally aware of their own needs. They're going to be able to admit their own like negative feelings um, and ask for what they need. Okay. Because that's really, really important for a two. If I had a mantra for twos, it'd be like, fill your own cup before you fill somebody else's cup Mm. or put your own life mask on first so that you can help other people. Oftentimes they get it reversed. Um, and that's under stress. You can also see like this really kind, loving, nurturing two start to take on the negative qualities of a type eight. And so they can become irritable. They can become aggressive, um, dominating. They can blame. They can start to make demands um, and be kind of controlling of everything and everyone. So that's a two who's kind of not, not living their best life. Um, any questions about the two? Mm-mm. No. Do you guys know twos? I do. My sister is a two. My sister is two. Very Aww. interesting. Yeah. That is two. One of my best friends in the hallway world is a two. She's a very healthy two. Um, and they're just like wonderful to see move through the world when they're at their best. So I have a soft spot for twos. <laughs> um, okay. Type three is a success, successful advisor, achiever. Oh my gosh, words are hard today. I'm only have, I don't know about you guys, but like, I need three cups of coffee every day to function. At oh this yeah. Point. <laughs> <laughs> so type three is the successful achiever and they're going to be adaptable. They're going to be very excelling. They're driven and they're very Im- image conscious type of people. Um, Their core fear is of failing, being incompetent, being inefficient, exposed, worthless, or unable to appear successful. And their worthless is a little bit different than the two's worthless. Their worthless is not because what they're doing for others. It's what they're achieving Mm. in their life, their circumstances. It's very achievement oriented. Um, Their core desire is to be valuable admired and respected and we all want that of course but for them it deteriorates into chasing after success to where it's almost like the threes I know get so much done they're so productive such a valuable members of society but it's almost like once they achieve something and it can be something huge monumental like I don't even know like they got a Nobel Peace Prize or something and they would be like okay cool that was fun like what's on to the next thing it's almost like they can't rest for even a second it's like what can I achieve next and that's what I mean by chasing after success does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah okay. um and they're successful their their self-image is they want to be seen as successful efficient competent focused and productive and they are for the most part um their weakness is deceit and it's it's not necessarily deceit in the way you think it obviously all of these like weaknesses have a little caveat, but for them, it means they're actually deceiving themselves into believing that they're only the image they present to others through their outward success and achievements. So it's almost like you can think of a three as being an expert chameleon. Um, They can wear masks and I don't want that to be taken in a negative way. They get a lot accomplished with those masks and they're able to really compartmentalize quite often um, and be who they need to be in any given moment. Like you might look at a three and be like, how are they like handling this? Like there's maybe where other people are super emotional about something. They can be very like, okay, 
I'm dealing with this right now. Maybe they're going to go have their emotions later on their own with people that they trust, but um, they're very, very able to be a chameleon and change based on what the situation needs or requires. So if everyone else is falling apart, a three is usually like, okay, I need to be in charge here. Um, and so they're really, really good at that. Their core longing is to hear that they're loved and valued for being themselves. They don't need to achieve their, the love of the people around them. So that's what they're going to really have to work on at their best. So I don't know if you guys know Cassie Joy Garcia. She's um, fed and fit online. She is my mentor in, a, in many different capacities, but she is like the quintessential three. Um, but at, so I think of her whenever I think of threes, but she's optimistic and self-affirming and she's industrious and she's efficient and she doesn't need anyone to motivate her. She's so energetic. It feels like she has this like unending well of energy to draw from um, and very much like a goal-oriented team team builder. Um, so that's what I think of like a healthy three. At a three's worst, they can become deceptive to themselves and to others. They can become self-promoting, pretentious, vain, a little bit superficial, overly competitive, um, and they can be somewhat of a workaholic. Threes might have a really hard time shutting off work, especially if you work from home or you're an entrepreneur. It's like those lines of like work and home life can become really blurred for a three sometimes. So boundaries are really important. Um, threes at their best are going to take on the positive qualities of a type six. And so the vain, sometimes deceitful threes can become more cooperative, more committed to others because these are some positive qualities of the six. They can become more aware of their own feelings and start to let their guard down around people that they like care about. So they kind of like reveal who they really are behind those masks. And that's a really beautiful sight to see when a healthy three is like, when it feels authentic to talk to them, when it feels like you're really getting who this person is. Um, under stress, a three is gonna take on the unhealthy qualities of a type nine. So you see these like really energetic, high, like highly motivated people become disengaged and apathetic so one of the hallmarks of a three is that like I'm doing air quotes again like sloth so you can see a three maybe like Netflixing a little too hard at the end of the day or doing some online shopping or watching tv like trying to numb out which would be a three in an unhealthy state does that make sense mm -hmm. okay do you have any questions about the three or do you guys know any threes in your life I'm not sure that I, well, I don't know for sure, but I have a friend who actually checks a lot of those boxes now that I'm thinking of it. So I might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a couple like newer friends, um, that are threes, like mom friends. And it is hard for me. Cause it's like some of that, like motivation around external things where I'm like, so internal, I have trouble like understanding some of that, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool from this perspective to like see it. Yeah. Threes are wonderful people. And like I said, I used to think that I was a three for the longest time. Um, but the thing that made me distinguish it was Cassie was like, we were trying to figure it out because back then I was on Team Fed and Fit. And she's like, well, I mean, what could you just do with your perfect day if like you do anything? And I was like, uh, I probably just like do yoga and lay on the couch and take a nap and like you know read some books and she was like oh <laughs> I was like you don't want that she's like no I was like okay I am not a three because for them it's like the the drive to work is 
is fun. It's a very cup feeling. Whereas like other people might be like, I don't want to work anymore. Like I just want to rest. Yeah. I was going to say, what's Cassie's perfect day? (laughs) Probably like knocking out a good chunk of work and there's fun in there, you know, but like there probably be work involved for sure. Okay. Um, so yeah. Okay. Type four, the romantic individualist. I'm going to try and speed this up a little bit because I want to make sure we get through everything, but the romantic individualist is the type four. The, they are expressive. They can be dramatic. They can be self-absorbed and temperamental. Um, fours are, they are just amazing, amazing, oftentimes creative, expressive people. Um, they're oftentimes involved with things like the arts or, um, I mean, even the sciences, but they will have like a creative side usually in some way, shape or form. So like I think of uh, one of the fours in my life is an engineer, but on the side writes poetry and like plays music and things, you know? So like very much has that ability to like be analytical, but also really values like beauty and emotion and connection in the world. So the fourth core fear is of being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain, mundane, defective, flawed, or being without significance. Their core desire is to be unique, special, and their authentic self. They're obsessed with authenticity. They want, like, they can sniff it out a mile away, and they are not going to let it go. Like, they want to know, like, who you are, and they're going to show up and not be afraid to share themselves most of the time. Um, their core desire, oh, wait, that that core desire can deteriorate into being like self-indulgent a little bit. Does that make sense? It's like almost too me focused sometimes versus like other focused. So there's can sometimes when they're in a time of unhealth, it can be like a little bit unbalanced there. Um, And their self image is that they want to be seen as deep, intellectual, emotional, accomplished, um, tasteful. They long for beauty and they have this like really good eye for aesthetic. So one of the anecdotes that I've always heard about for us is like, you know, when you walk into like a Whole Foods and like the music is softly playing and there's like a distinct smell of like baked goods and like the lights and the apples are perfect and they're all like beautiful apples. Um, most people will be like a four design that because they're very concerned with like, how does it make you feel? Like, how does this room make me feel? How does this song make me feel? This fabric, this painting, you know, how does it make me feel? What emotion does it evoke? And their core weakness is envy. And it's not envy in the way that you think of it, but it's more the feeling that they are fundamentally missing something that everyone else has. And this leads them to think that they are lacking in something and they long for to find what they feel like they're missing. Um, and in turn, oftentimes that can lead them really missing the like many blessings and things they have to offer in their own life because they think they're missing something that other people have. Um, and that core longing, their core longing is to be seen and loved for exactly who they are, special and unique. So oftentimes you'll see like, you know, bright colors on, in their clothing and like things that are just very unique. Um, and that's, it's that desire to kind of stand out a little bit. Um, at their best, they're authentic, warm, compassionate people, very expressive, creative, and supportive. At their worst, they can sometimes go into that withdrawn um, tendency. I mentioned melancholy a little bit. Fours are totally okay with being sad. So one of the worst things you can do for a four is be like, snap out of it. Like, let's cheer you up. Cause they'll be like, why? Like, just let me sit with my sad music on this rainy day and I'll be fine tomorrow. Like I'll get there. Um, but they, that can lead to exaggerated moods. Um, they can linger, like I said, longer than 
maybe is healthy, they can enter that depressive state. Um, they can become self-absorbed, a little bit stubborn and a little bit possessive. When they are healthy, they're going to take on the positive qualities of a type one. So we see these people who can be envious and emotionally turbulent. We can see them become more objective and principled, more structured, more grounded um, and disciplined in their life, which is good. It's a good balance for them when they're in a healthy place. Under stress, they're actually going to move to the unhealthy qualities of a type two. And so these fours can suddenly become a little bit over-involved and clingy with their relationships. They can try and manipulate other people into loving them. Um, and they can start to become almost too other focused and start to believe that like these relationships will replace what's missing in their life. Um, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Questions yeah. about fours? No, I think we've talked about this. I've just had a hard four wing like my whole life, I think, like a really strong <laughs> wing. So I relate to a lot of that. Yeah. And we, I know you, you thought you were a four for a really, really long time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Like my husband is a five wing four. And so, wait, wait, are y'all the same thing? Five wing four, Michelle? I'm a five wing four. Yeah. So I like, I really, really want to get the five wing four and how those, those, it's kind of, they're almost completely different, but very similar in a lot of ways. So it's interesting. Um, and we'll talk about the five next since we're on that subject. Um, and this is Michelle for everybody um, listening. So hopefully you can, I know little, little lady is over there. Oh my God. <laughs> I miss it, but not enough to have another one. I wish I could just hold a friend's baby for like a day, but I guess that's not going to happen for a while. Um, okay. Fives, the investigative thinker. So fives are perceptive. They're innovative, secretive, and isolated. The, the fives core fear is of annihilation, and we'll kind of explain what that means in a second, but annihilation, being ignorant, invaded, incapable, not existing, or having obligations placed on them. Their core desire is to be capable and competent, which we all want to be, but for them, it can deteriorate into this, what I would call use, useless specialization. An anecdote of a five, and Michelle, you can wait, chime in on this if you want to, but like Tim he's like one of those people where I'm just like, how do you know so much about Japanese woodworking? This like completely obscure <laughs> thing that most people, it's not like a common thing that people would explore, but he's like, I read a book on it. I'm like, why? <laughs> why would you read a book on Japanese woodworking? I mean, for him, it's these other, it's all these many different topics, but like for Michelle, for you, it might be, um, you know, what to feed your baby or the best like stroller to get, or like I, a many number of things, like why grass fed beef, like five have, Fives have these like rabbit holes that they will chase down to know because they want to know, like they want to know all there is to know about that subject. Um, because well, and I really related to like what you said with like the stack of books that like, oh yeah, I'm in the middle of reading all of these. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I posted a picture of Tim or his nightstand. It was like 13 different books yep. all on different subjects. And he's like, I'm reading them. I'm like, yeah. how can you read them all at the same time? Like, are you ever going to finish it? <laughs> so fives are amazing. They are constantly seeking knowledge. Um, their self-image is they want to be seen as intelligent. They're private, introspective, curious, um, and knowledgeable people. Their weakness is avarice, and that's like greed. Um, but it's not in the sense of like, I want all these material things. I mean, sometimes it is. But really, it comes down to they feel like they lack the inner resources um, that they need to move throughout the world 
They feel that too much interaction with others will ultimately deplete this energy level that they're so much trying, they're trying to protect. And they, but it's to this, it's like catastrophic for them. So if a five, I use this analogy all the time. If we all wake up every single morning with a hundred percent battery, ready to tackle the day, fives wake up with like, I don't know, it was like 5%, literally like fully charged. And it's not that their energy is low. It's their capacity for peopling is much more limited than a lot of other people. Now there are extroverted fives for sure. So this is not like a blanket statement on fives, but for the most part, they're very protective of that energy. Um, and so sometimes that, that greed of their energy and resources is related to like, they just don't want to get too low. They, they're afraid that if they get too low, like it's going to be horrible. Um, and their core longing is to feel that their needs are not a problem. At their best, they're incredibly intelligent, analytical people. They can persevere like no other. They will, they're like a dog with a bone if they're chasing after information. They're sensitive, they're wise, objective, perceptive, and curious. At their worst, they can be intellectually arrogant, stingy, stubborn, distant. They can become critical of others, unassertive, and cynical. Um, when they are healthy, they're going to actually take on the positive qualities of a type eight. So they're going to become more self-confident and decisive. They're going to be more in touch and active with their body for a five, because they spend so much time like in their head, getting a regular movement practice of some kind, getting in touch with their body is so important for health. And so when they're healthy, they're moving towards that. Um, and they're going to learn to trust their instincts more and become more assertive when they are unhealthy. They're going to take on the negative qualities of a type seven. So they can become hyperactive and scattered, chasing many different trains of thought, many different interests. Um, they can take on new projects impulsively um, and they can become unfocused and distracted. So that is a five at their best and their worst. Um, Michelle, does that still resonate with you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know any other fives in your life? My best friend is a five. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I do actually. But Marissa, you said you have a, you think you have a five wing, right? I have a five wing. Oh okay. yeah. Cool. So you could probably relate to a lot of that. Oh um, yeah. Too. Um, and so that's the cool thing. Like we can be one number, but we can be tied to these different numbers and really like have a better understanding than we think of where those people are coming from, which I think is beautiful. Okay, sixes. So this is you, Marissa, the loyal guardian. Um, sixes are engaging, they're responsible, they can be anxious and oftentimes suspicious. Okay, so that's you know, good and bad all mixed in there. Their core fear is fear itself, really. Um, it's being it's fear itself, it's being without support or guidance, being alone, being blamed, targeted, or physically abandoned. Um, their core desire is to have security to have guidance and support. So we all want that again. Like, I'm not saying this is just a six thing, but like for a six, that's a very big thing. And for them, it can deteriorate into this attachment to beliefs oftentimes. So um, sixes are usually really amazing in groups. Like they love community and connection. They love identifying with um, a, a specific group, whether that's, you know, good or bad in your opinion, but they can just really get behind the collective. Um, and sometimes it can be hard for them if they feel like I can't change my mind or I can't, oh, sorry. 
It must be the Amazon guy outside. Um, dogs are barking. So if they feel like they need to change their mind or they've discovered something that goes against the group, the group think, it can be a little bit hard for them. And they have to really work to come to terms with that um, because they don't want to cut off that support. Like for instance, if I'm trying to think of something, some example, if I was like a part of a mom group and I really identified like with everything that they were saying, you know, and all of their tenets and core beliefs and their morals, but then something happened and I was like, I don't agree with that. Um, that could be devastating for a six because they've become, it's become such a part of who they are. Um, so that's a little, little nugget about sixes. Their self-image is it, it actually depends on the context that they're in, but they want to be seen mostly as prepared, dedicated, dutiful, hardworking people. They want to be seen as loyal compliant and submissive to authority, but there's an asterisk here, has to be authority that they trust. Mm -hmm. um, if they do not trust the authority, they can be very aggressively against and oppose and outwardly like, no, like I don't trust this. And they will let you know that they don't trust it. So they will be submissive. I'm doing air quotes submissive, they'll, meaning they'll like support something as long as they trust that it's the right thing. Um, they're also very like, witty people, um, just funny. Like some of the sixes I know are like some of the most funny people that I've ever been around. So sixes are amazing. Their core weakness is anxiety. And really this has to do with the fact that they are more so than any other number, constantly scanning the horizon and preparing for the worst. And you want a six in your life because they're the ones who are like, I thought it all out. This is what we need to do. We're going to like, for instance, if you're traveling with the six, they've like, this is the best route to go. Like I've got the snacks. I've got, you know, everything planned out. Like we're good. And that's amazing to me. It's a nine. Who's just like, whatever, like, let's go with the flow. Having a six on my team is like, I, it's invaluable to me. So, but the thing is like, again, that can really like deteriorate into the anxiety where it's like, I've also gone down the, the worst case scenario rabbit hole of all the bad things that could happen. And I'm just going to be here paralyzed with anxiety and then unable to take the next step. So sixes have to actively work against what I would call like analysis paralysis. Um, and their core longing is to hear that they are safe. They want to know that they are safe, um, which of course we all do, but six, is, it's a very, very motivating thing that they need to feel. They're best, like I said, they're loyal, likable, prepared, trustworthy, compassionate people, witty, practical, and responsible. Um, at their worst, they can be hypervigilant. So too, too, <laughs> too, uh, what's the word? Like a too practical. Um, they can be dependent. They can be a bit unpredictable. Um, sometimes judgmental, sometimes paranoid, defensive, rigid, self-defeating, and self-doubting. So again, like oftentimes you'll see a six that has so much to offer and so many amazing qualities, so many strengths, but they kind of like hold themselves back from ever seeing their full potential because they, they're thinking like, what if this happens? Or what if someone says this about me? Or there's like that underlying current of fear of what, what if? Um, so that is like self, very self-defeating for them. Um, at their best, they're gonna take on the best qualities of a type nine. So they're gonna become more relaxed, more optimistic, more empathetic with others who maybe don't fit in with their group of their group. Um, they're gonna take like take life less seriously, and that's gonna free up their energy to just be this really amazing presence in their lives and other people's lives. 
when they're under stress, they're actually going to take on the average to unhealthy qualities of a type three. So they can become competitive. They can become a little arrogant. Um, they might try to avoid that feeling that anxious feeling by being busy. I'm doing air quotes, like busy things. Um, and they may be reluctant to try anything new if they think that failure might be a possibility. Does that resonate? Oh, every word you said. That <laughs> <laughs> really like hits home. For I've you. never felt more understood than, than when I discovered I was a six, honestly, because mm-hmm. I spent my whole life like just thinking, why do I think these things? Why am I worried about this? It's not even happening. And even now, you know, I have, I have health stuff going on and it's like worst case scenario, but oh yeah, it's every word. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and that's the powerful thing. It's like, I don't know, once you start to feel that you can start to use that information to either make improvements if there is room for improvement, um, or to just really be aware, like of all the things that you can bring to the table, the positives and the negatives. So that's amazing. Um, any questions about the six? No, but I'm probably going to end up doing coaching with you at some point. (laughs) I love it so much. It's my favorite thing. It really is. I I look forward to each and every session. Um, And it's fun because I just get to know so many people. And it's, I don't know, I'm not one for chit chat. I'm usually like, Michelle can like see at the, at the retreats. I'm like, tell me your deepest, darkest secret. Tell me your family. Like what happened in your childhood that made you this way? So we just like cut to the chase. Oh, um, I love that too. I need that. You know, fives hate like small talk. Oh my God. Five, <laughs> just two of five small talk is like the worst possible Torture. thing. Torture. <laughs> like, how's the weather? How's your mom? Just don't. Yeah, just don't. Um, okay. We're rounding out. So we've got three more to go. We've got seven. So the type seven is the entertaining optimist. And Michelle, you have some experience with sevens in, in your life. Yeah, Scott's a seven. <laughs> and um, Laura, my podcast partner, is a seven. Um, and it's so funny because, like, for the longest time, I was like, I don't know what she is. But, like, all of the podcast listeners were like, Laura is a seven. And she finally <laughs> took the test because sevens are more apt to probably be like, I don't want to take that test because it's going to put me in a box. So she finally took the test and she was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely a seven. So it's just so fun to see that happen with people who are kind of a little bit more defensive about it. And I know Scott was kind of like cautiously intrigued by it. Would that well, be and accurate? he's super into it too, but you, you like keep asking me, you're like, I don't know what he thinks of this. Cause he just kind of like sits there and he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> I know you can't tell what he's thinking. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> sevens, they're spontaneous, they're versatile, they're acquisitive, and oftentimes can be scattered. Their core fears of being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, limited, bored, or missing out on something exciting. Their core desire is to be happy, satisfied, and content, which we all want. But for sevens, it deteriorates into this, like what I call frenetic escapism to where they can easily jump from thing to thing the moment they feel like it's not fun anymore, or the moment that it gets hard, or the moment that it gets to be something where they might have to like face a negative emotion. Like, I'm just going to like leave that and do the next thing. Um, So that's, they have to struggle with really staying present and staying focused Um, and not doing that when things do get hard. Their self-image is that they want to be seen as creative, fun, visionaries, imaginative people. They're oftentimes very stylish, playful, and inspirational. And their weakness is gluttony. And it's really, it's not necessarily materialistic things. It's more this insatiable desire to fill themselves up 
with experiences and stimulation in order to avoid emotional pain. So like they five, six, and seven, they're all in the, um, the head triad. They all deal with anxiety. And oftentimes like a seven would be like, I'm not anxious. Like what do I have to be anxious about? They're very positive, happy people, but it's really, they're using these positive experiences to, to ignore the anxiety, to like stuff it down and to not look at it. Um, so that they don't have to face those emotions. Oftentimes, the thing that sevens have to come to term, terms with is that they think that all of these positive experiences and things that they're they're going through are going to fill them up and make them feel satisfied. But oftentimes, their biggest letdown is when it doesn't satisfy them, right? Like they think if I go on this trip, uh, I'm going to be happy. If I go to this restaurant, it's going to make me so happy. And it will for an instant, but that's not the thing that's going to satisfy them in the long term. And so their core longing is to hear that they will be taken care of. Um, at their best, they're fun-loving, spontaneous, imaginative, very productive people. They have, it's almost like, sometimes I look at Laura, I'm like, where is all of your energy coming from? Like, I don't understand. Sevens are very energetic, much like threes. Oftentimes they can mistype, um, but they're quick, they're confident. They're very charming and very curious people. Um, at their worst, they can be self-focused. They can be a bit impulsive, saying yes to things before they really think out, like, what's that going to look like? Um, they can be escapist, rebellious, oftentimes. So very much like, I'm not going to go with the, like, norm. They can be distractive, superficial, manic. So, like, really, like, in those high, high highs when you're like, oh, my gosh, this person is, like, taking happy pills. Like, what is going on? Um, and then, but they can also obviously go into like the negative loop of that as well. Um, and they're, they're oftentimes restless, um, kind of like they might switch jobs often and not because they're not good at it. It's because it's no longer, they like had their high, they, they got really good at it. It was fun. And now they're onto something else that's going to like, that they can master. Um, that's going to be fun again. Um, sevens, when they're healthy, they're going to take on the positive qualities of a type five. So they're going to become more focused and profound. They're going to be able to place more value on wisdom and discipline, and they're going to become more accepting of all of life, good and bad, happy and sad. When they are under stress, they're actually going to move to the negative qualities of a type one. So they're going to become more perfectionistic and critical. Um, they, they might be more cynical and hypercritical to change other people. Um, so they might project that criticism to other people. So kind of like a manipulation move. Um, and they can oftentimes blame other people for preventing their fun. Like you never let me do this. Or like, you're putting me on a food budget when I really enjoy restaurants. Like, why are you doing that to me? Um, you know, things of that nature. I mean, those are just examples. Um, but that is a seven in a nutshell. They're very, like I said, fun people to be around. They're one of the numbers on the Enneagram when like most of us will be like, ah, at first, like we come to terms with it and then we fall in love with ourselves. But with a seven, they hear that they're a seven. They're like, yes, I want it to be a seven. This is so awesome. Like what's wrong with being a seven? There's no negative qualities. Um, so they're very optimistic about themselves, which is amazing because that spirit is fun to be around for most people. Michelle, are you, how do you feel? No, I'm just those? like, um, what you said about the fives waking up at 5% and the sevens being really energetic. I'm like, thank God I had children with somebody who is <laughs> high energetic. Energy. Yeah. Yes. He just like, lo like he like loves playing and like just having fun. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll stay back here. I'll like plan dinner. Like <laughs> you guys go amazing. get your energy out. 
that's an amazing partnership, honestly. I mean, that's like, and as long as you guys are like aware of that and it's not a negative thing, it's like, well, these are his strengths and he's doing what he's really good at. And and he loves it. Yeah. And I'm doing what I'm really good at. Um, you know, obviously there's always room to like grow and like try new things, but I think that when you see that and recognize that in your own partnerships, it's a really cool thing. So, okay. Sevens. I mean, eight. So two more. Eight is the protective challenger. Eights are self-confident. They're decisive, willful, and confrontational. Um, it's very unlikely that an eight is going to mistype as something else. Maybe a three, maybe a five sometimes. Um, but eights usually don't have to second guess that they're an eight. You either are, usually you're, you are or you're not. Um, eights are probably the one, one of the most and I'm saying this as a nine who's intimidated by a lot of strong personalities, but like they're probably the most um, intimidating of all of the, the numbers and that they are just direct. Um, they say it like they mean it and they don't view it as a, an issue. They're just being honest. And that's amazing. That honesty is something that we can all learn from. Um, but for an eight, their core it's because of their core fear. Their core fear is being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, manipulated, or at the mercy of injustice. Okay. So for the eight, it's all about that, like protecting themselves and that, and that power. Um, their core desire is again, to protect themselves. That's it. That's their core desire. And we all want to protect ourselves to some degree. Like no one wants to get their heart broken or their feelings hurt or to be manipulated. But for an eight, it's such a drive that it can deteriorate into this constant fighting and conflicts to where they, they think they're just having a conversation, but the other person on the other end is perceiving it as an argument or a conflict. And so they're constantly, they may constantly feel like they're having to like change themselves to adjust to other people, which is not necessarily what we want from an eight. Like we want an eight to show up as they are, but I think the power of the Enneagram for an eight is to really um, understand other people too, and be able to be flexible in their delivery um, or adjust their delivery methods from time to time, depending on who they're talking about or talking to. Um, their self-image is they're, they're outspoken, direct, opinionated, bold, um, decisive, tough, and compassionate. And that's then they really are. Like I know several eights in my. I've actually drawn to eights as a nine. I have a strong eight wing, and I think as a nine, I just my like I want to take on a lot of those positive qualities for myself because I lack them so much. For the most part, um, I learn a lot from my eights, from the eights in my life. Um, their core weakness is lust and excess. And it's not the way you think, it's not like sexual lust or anything like that, but it's more this need for intensity. Um, they're very intense people oftentimes, this need for control and this need for self-extension. And this can really look like this constant need to push everything and assert themselves willfully. So oftentimes they'll be like, I don't know, like, we're, we're going to go, we're going to do this today at work. And this is our plan. And they, they might be the first ones to be like, well, why, why do we have to do it that way? Explain to me why. And it looks like they're, they're just pushing to push, but oftentimes they just want to know where they stand and they want to know, like, they don't like inauthenticity and they, they want the truth in all aspects of life. Um, their core longing is to know that they will not be betrayed. So it's at their best are compassionate. They're very like, I think there's this misconception that eights don't have feelings or that they don't 
get their feelings hurt or they don't care about other people. It couldn't be further from the truth. They're really kind, compassionate, caring people. They can be very inspiring. They're direct. They're resilient. They're very loyal. So once you're in the trust nest of an eight, you're in. But if you, if you breach it to where it cannot be repaired, like that is a hard, hard boundary for them. It's like, nope, like you might have to spend the rest of your life literally trying to get back into their, their trust circle. Um, but they are loyal to those that they care about. Like once you're in, they're going to go to great lengths to protect you. Um, they're very energetic, very empowering people. They are protective and self-confident at their worst. They're going to be, they can be loud, vengeful, excessive, controlling, rebellious, insensitive, domineering, self-centered, and oftentimes skeptical. When they are healthy, they're going to take on the positive qualities of a type two. So eights and twos, you're like, what, how are they connected? Mm. But these eights are going to suddenly become open-hearted and caring. They kind of have that like squishy inside. And when you get to see that, it's a beautiful thing. Um, They're going to open up to others. Vulnerability is something they have to work really, really hard on. But when they're in a healthy place, it's amazing. They can be vulnerable and they're going to have more empathy and compassion towards others and be able to actually voice that outwardly because they may feel it a lot on the inside. Um, but a healthy eight will be able to actually like show it. Um, when they're under stress, they're going to move to the unhealthy side of a type five. So they're going to become more secretive and fearful. They might think like everyone's out to get them or like, it's like, I don't trust these people. Like who should I trust? Um, they may become less in touch with their feelings and withdraw from other people. And they really, it comes down to, they have this fear that others are going to turn on them and betray them. So that's an eight at their best and their worst. Do you guys know any eights in your life? I think of two people. The first person I think of is Diane Sanfilippo. Oh yeah, she's an amazing. <laughs> she's she's amazing. Yeah, when, yeah, amazing, amazing example of an eight. Like such a powerful like presence. Yeah, and uh, my beauty counter mentor Cassie Knable actually is an eight. Cassie's your mentor? Yeah. Yeah. What? I know. My mind is just blown. I love her so much. She's, a, <laughs> she's just such a beautiful human. I love her too. She yeah. is. And she's done so much self growth for herself and as a mentor and as a partner through yeah. the Enneagram. I mean, she's as much of an expert on the Enneagram, I'm sure at this point as I am, but yeah, she's an eight and she's an eight with a nine wing, which is oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't um, know the nine wing. Yeah. She's an eight with a nine wing. And so, yeah, I, we, we just mutually adore each other. Um, <laughs> So I get her. Yeah. Do you know any eights too, Michelle? No. And this is, this is kind of funny because I'm like super turned off by eights. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, I feel like I don't get a word in edgewise and I like, Mm -hmm. don't speak up for myself under these, like, Mm -hmm. or like with these strong personalities. And it's like interesting because a healthy five goes to an eight Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, I want that so bad. Like if I have this ability to, to like find my own power Mm -hmm. and like be confident. So so that's think, where our coaching is going to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think for you, a, a, a healthy five is going to, you're really going to see the eight side come out when you feel like you are knowledgeable on a specific subject. So say, for example, you were in a room full of people and they started talking about um, nutrition, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and you felt like you were, like you really knew what the crap, can I, can I cuss on this podcast? Is crap okay? Yeah. Okay. You knew what the heck, I'll say heck. Anyways, what the heck you were talking about, you would probably show up more in that eightness as like, I know what I'm talking about. A little bit more assertive, 
Um, and that can look different for everyone. It's not like you're going to like insert yourself in there and be like, you are wrong, but yeah. you might just be able to assert yourself a little bit more in that, in that instance. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's really funny though. Cause like my main craft is math, <laughs> which mm-hmm. nobody ever talks about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I could see that for sure. Like I will, I will be insistent when. So next time right. we're like, next time you're at the next retreat, cause I'm sure you'll be at the next one. Yeah. I'll be like, so math guys, <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you know about math? <laughs> oh, Michelle, you're an actuary. <laughs> totally. You you're going to get like so much good feedback about that conversation too. <laughs> hey, I want to know more about math. Okay, I'll go. learn more about math. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyways, love me some eights. Uh, and then the last one is the type nine, the peaceful mediator. We'll round out with the nine. Um, this is my forte, obviously, because I am a nine, but nines are going to be more receptive more reassuring and they're going to be pretty agreeable people that oftentimes can lead to this like sense of complacency. Um, their core fear is of being in conflict, being loveless, shut out, discordant, overlooked, or inharmonious. Their core desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind, which again, like we all want that, but for them, it deteriorates into this stubborn neglectful neglectfulness. They can do what I call go along to get along to where they'll be like, someone will be like, do you want to go here or do you want to do this? And I, in my mind, I can be like, I don't really want to do that, but I'll say yes, because I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. Like if I say no, then like, they'll ask me what I want to do. And I actually don't really know what I want to do. And I don't want to make them upset. It's just going to be easier to say yes. And that neglectfulness is neglecting ourselves, like neglecting what we want and who we are to like appease other people. Right. So the self-image for a nine is they want to be seen as being a good listener, kind, agreeable, quiet, patient, calm, steady, and enduring. And their weakness is sloth. And when I first heard this, I was like, I am not a like physically lazy person. I mean, of course I love a good like couch surfing session, but like I identified more with the three at that time. And I was like, no way, I'm not a sloth. But really it comes down to this desire to be unaffected by life. That's the sloth. The the laziness is to, it's in more of a, it's more a nod to like me not being willing to take the energy and effort and time to say no, or to learn about myself or to know what I want because it's just easier and takes less time and energy to let other people tell me what I want. Does that make, make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's this desire, like we're kind of asleep to ourselves. That's a common term that's used to describe nines. We're asleep to ourselves. It takes a lot of self-work for a nine to really like step into who they are. Um, and our core longing is to really know that our presence matters. That's almost our fear is, is oh, as well as to like, for people like to feel that our presence is not important. Um, and so that our longing is to hear that it actually is. At their best, nines are going to be pleasant, peaceful, generous, patient, accepting, diplomatic, open-minded, and empathic. They're very much those people that can like look at an argument and see all sides of it. So like when you ask them about their opinion, they can be like, I don't know, because I really see, I see their their side and I see this side. So they have they struggle with that. It's a great thing because they're they can be very open-minded, but it also leads them to not really be able to make a decision or decide things. Um, at their worst, they're going to be spaced out, forgetful, stubborn, obsessive, resigned, passive-aggressive, judgmental, and unassertive. 
And then when they are healthy, they're going to take on the positive qualities of a type three. So they can be more self-developing, more in touch with what they want, more energetic about chasing the things that they do want to do. They can learn that the peace that they seek, because nines really want peace, um, but the real peace is showing up as themselves and asserting who they are in the world um, and blessing other, others with their full presence. So that's what they learn when they're in a healthy like taking on the best qualities of a type three. When they are unhealthy, they're going to move to the unhealthy side of a type six. So they're going to become more anxious and worried, more testy and defensive, and their mind's going to start racing with um, like more internal anxiety. And I can tell you right now, I'm struggling with that immensely in the current, <laughs> the current climate. I have to constantly remind myself to like get back to center and to not chase down those what if rabbit holes and to not let the anxiety of like uncertainty um, really like take hold of me. So that's where you'll see a nine go to, um, in health and unhealth. And besides me, do you guys know any nines in your world? I'm not sure if I do. I relate to a lot of what you said personally. Well, you're tied to it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 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 But yeah. I don't know if I know a nine. Do you, Michelle? I don't think I do either. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's funny because I, yeah, I feel like there's so many of us, but I think it's just because you see like yourself, um, more often than you probably see people that are different than you, but, yeah. um, yeah, nines will commonly mistype because they have such a hard time knowing who they are. They might oftentimes answer the questions completely differently, um, based on who they're around and hmm. the last interaction that they had. And, um, they might really be like, I see myself in all of the numbers because again, it goes back to that, like, being able to see all sides of the story. So um, they might have a little bit more trouble typing themselves. So interesting. But that's yeah. it. That is the Enneagram in a nutshell, a very long nutshell. I think that took like <laughs> an hour and a half. So yeah, I think we, we could both talk time. about this all day. <laughs> I know. I hope, I hope it's good information for everybody. I hope they're not just like, I don't know. Anyways, it's good. It's good. I promise it's fun. It's like a cool party topic and it's really worth your time to go look into that. You can take some tests. Um, I think the tests are helpful. I like the ready personally, which is R H E T I. Um, it's an acronym. Am I saying that right? Yes. It's an acronym. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is probably the gold standard for Enneagram testing. Um, there's one on your Enneagram That's free. There's a bunch of free ones out there. I would take a couple, um, see which numbers are like constantly showing up, mm -hmm. but also note that like a test is not going to tell you what, what hundred percent accurate accuracy, what you are. You really need to like, take the time to read about yourself and read about the different numbers that you are like waffling between or get coaching. If you just can't seem to like nail it down, or even if you do nail it down, and you just want to understand yourself more, I highly recommend, if it's not me, just finding somebody that you jive with that can help you dive a little bit deeper. Because that's where the, like, the magic is, I think, is when you can actually take it and apply it to your life. Yeah, and I love that. What's the, um, what's the coaching certification you did? Um, I did mine through your Enneagram coach, okay. um, Beth McCord. It is, there is a like religious undertone to the coaching. I don't really bring that into my coaching unless people want, want that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you are looking for a coaching program, there's many out there. Um, and I mean, you just have kind of have to sift through what resonates with you, but yeah. 
that's the one I did. Yeah. And I'm, I'm loving doing the coaching with Scott and I'm already like, okay, I think I need another bundle for myself <laughs> to like build my business. And <laughs> yeah, it's so fun in all the different ways it can be applied. Um, I mean, there's obviously personal relationships, self-development, there's business because I'm doing an episodes, a couple episodes with my friend, Anne um, Garland, who's grass-fed salsa. And we're talking all about the Enneagram as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so like each of, we're doing like many episodes about each of the types. Um, and like, can they be an entrepreneur is like the big question and spoiler alert, like all numbers can be entrepreneurs. (laughs) They're just going to have unique strengths and weaknesses that they bring to the table that are going to challenge them, um, slash like make them really unique in that role. So it's fun. There's just so many ways to explore it. So many ways. Yeah. Well, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, Anytime you want to chat Enneagram, I'm happy to come back on. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and we love you so much. Thank you for all that you do and creating this community that we're, we're a part of and yeah, this was awesome. Yeah. Happy to be here. And yeah, we'll link to the tests and to your website and everything in the show notes. So sounds great. Follow Jess. She's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll talk to everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you like what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.